and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Travel Podcast, where today I'm going to be joined by Matthew and some very special guests, um, and they're going to be telling us all about the fantastic area that is Florida. So we all know that there's Disney in Florida, but what else does this fantastic destination have to offer away from the parks? Matthew and I are going to be exploring deeper into the other areas, such as Clearwater, Miami, Fort Myers, and what they have to offer families. So we're going to start off just outside Orlando. You have the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex in Cape Canaveral. And Matthew was very lucky to be joined by Dee Maynard, who is the education manager at the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex. And he found out more about why this attraction is so popular and what makes it unique. I'm joined by Dee Maynard, Education Manager at the Kennedy Space Centre Visitor Complex. So thank you very much for joining me, Dee. Thank you for having me, Matthew. It's a pleasure as always. And for those listeners um, to get to know you, could you just give us a bit of an introduction to yourself, uh, what you do and how long you've been with the Kennedy Space Centre Visitor Complex? I was in the classroom for a number of years, middle school classroom. And then I wanted to pursue some more education. So I needed something a little bit more flexible. And I had a friend who worked out at the visitor complex in the education department. And she said, I think this would be right up your line. And it's been fantastic here. I've been doing this for about eight years now. And I love it because I get to meet children from all over the world and I get to do all of the teaching and none of the homework, grading, parent conferences, those things. Amazing. A great way to, like I said, still educating uh, children from around the world and doing something you love. So that is that is a great thing to be doing. And on that, you know, we're really focusing on why the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex is so good for families to visit when they are in Florida. What makes it such a great destination for them? I haven't been for, for quite some time, so I was looking through the website and I can see there's so much to do for all ages. Uh, why do you think it's such a great destination for families to come and join of all ages? Well, unlike a lot of the attractions in Florida, everything here is real. It's real space, real hardware, real spaceships, real astronauts. And so while the kids can use their imagination and picture themselves as part of the space exploration crew of the future, they can also see exactly what's going on here and now and learn how they can get involved in it today. And we're constantly adding new exhibits, and we're very excited that this winter we're going to be opening something called Planet Play, which is specifically designed for children of all ages. And I think it's going to be very interactive, and they're going to love it. But we do currently have a lot of interactive exhibits where they can not only see the exhibits, but also use a variety of different technologies to interact with them. And again, uh, children as young as, I mean, I've seen them coming in in strollers. I don't know how much the babies are actually getting out of it, but their parents look thrilled and they get to do it together as a family. So it's, it's wonderful. And that leads into a great question I was, I was going to ask. How accessible is the information for the younger members of the family, you know, especially those elementary primary school ages? Is there interactive displays for the younger generations? Yes, I think we've worked very hard to make sure that while we're not dumbing down the science, we are communicating the facts in a way that is telling a story that everyone can really identify with. And when they can do the different virtual games and the different touch screens, the kids themselves 
can um, decide what they want to learn more about and get that information in a way that almost everyone can understand. And if, if they don't read well, then their parents can help them. But the general vocabulary used is designed for children. Amazing. So it really is a destination for everyone. And as you mentioned a, a little bit ago, you've seen families walking around with even babies in the strollers, getting them in early on really understanding space and uh, hopefully inspiring future generations of astronauts. And with that, I know you've got a new guided walking tour uh, to emerge families when they visit. Can you just give us a bit more information on what experiences families will get on that tour? Yes, so we have a number of communicators who are space matter experts, and in the guided walking tour, one of them goes with the group to each of the exhibits that we're featuring. And in addition to telling them a little bit about it, then they can also do that one-on-one -on -one question and answer so that if you want to know more about something, there's somebody right there with you who can explain it to you. That's, that's amazing. And as there is so much to do uh, within the Kennedy Space Center Vista Complex, is everything included within the emission price? And how long would you recommend a family takes to explore the whole, uh, the whole complex? At the moment, because of the COVID restrictions, we are not permitted to take people onto the restricted areas of the Space Center. So part of our normal operations is our bus tour out to the launch pads and the Apollo Saturn V Center. When that is running, I tell everyone, you can't see everything in one day. You really need to plan on two days. But right now, while we're not running those bus tours, we do have everything else open. And so it, we open at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning and we close at four and you will need every bit of that in order to see everything. If you want to take in the different shows, the IMAX movie, as well as the Space Shuttle Atlantis and the Heroes and Legends and Rocket Garden, we've got so many different things that are going on. Um, I usually tell families, especially with smaller children, leave yourselves at least an hour and a half to two hours for the Space Shuttle Atlantis, because in addition to the interactives that are in there, there's also the shuttle launch experience, which is a full motion simulator where you feel like you're taking off into space and you get you know, you get to go up and orbit the earth a little bit and then come back down. It's a lot of fun. That sounds a lot of fun. And I can imagine families love going on that, especially the children getting to, to experience that. And uh, one thing that I saw, which was that I want to do, uh, and it's in, I think it's inspiring for all uh, wannabe astronauts, whether young or old, is the astronaut training experience. What can you tell us about that? I mean, as soon as I can, I'm coming out and go, I'm going to be doing it. But can you tell us a bit more about it? I'm really excited already. Well, the astronaut training experience is not included in the general admission, and it does require that you purchase in advance because in that you are going to go into a special facility that we just opened in 2018. So it still has that you know new simulator smell to it. And you will have a team of our educators who walk you through the training experience. And we've got different simulators in there, including our microgravity simulator, our virtual reality walk on Mars simulator, our full motion land and rove on Mars, our um, launch mission, and then our Mars base one where you would go in and explore what it would be like to live and work on Mars for the day. So the, we actually have two programs in there. So the astronaut training experience with all the simulators and then the Mars base one experience. And our camps are multi-day. So you get to do all of that and explore the complex. Amazing. And you mentioned camps there. I see that you do offer 
um, some great uh, day camps and education programs for children and they look out, out of this world. But you've also got them uh, virtual ones as well you've been, been doing. So how how do they work, whether it be the day or the virtual ones? Um, can out-of-state visitors come to do the day camps? Can people from around the world do the online camps? So our day camps, unfortunately, we couldn't run them in person this summer for health and safety reasons, but we do already have them on sale for 2021 and they go fast. And we do have people come from all over the world. Usually what happens is the parents will decide that they're going to plan a vacation around this. And while the children are in the day camp, which runs from eight in the morning until three in the afternoon, unfortunately, the adults just have to go and do some adult things without their children. And then they can get back together again. And the camp always ends with a day where the kids get to be the guides and show their parents around the visitor complex and tell them what they've learned. Now, our virtual camps, we just started this summer and they have proven to be extremely popular. We have had participants from um, not only all over the United States, but also from uh, Colombia and Panama, Greece, France, the UK. I mean, all over the place, people are, are coming in for those camps. And we have two different types of presentations. The one that we've been doing is a three-day camp, which lasts about three to three and a half hours a day. And we walk them through missions from different areas in the complex, including the Saturn V Center, and the Space Shuttle Atlantis and the Mars Base One. And the kids get uh, hands-on STEM activities that they can do. And we are going to, starting in October, offer a five-day version of that as an after-school program. So we're going to do our timing a little bit later in the day. And that'll be about an hour to an hour and a half each day, Monday through Friday. That's amazing. So people can continue to learn uh, in the autumn, through the winter, and then continue, hopefully, if they want to go and visit uh, next next year and do the day camps, uh, which are already, like you mentioned, are selling very well. And on that, for those that are looking to visit or go, they're going to visit when they come into Florida, it's a given now, um, what would be your three recommendations of what they should see, make sure they see when they're visiting the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex? Absolutely. Well, if they come when we are fully open, which we're expecting to happen within the next few months, we can get back out onto the base again. The Apollo Saturn V Center is a must see. This is the basic bus tour that's included with your general admission, and it takes you out around the launch pads in the vehicle assembly building, but it brings you out to the Apollo Saturn V Center, which is all about the moon program. And the building was recently re renovated in honor of the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. And it's got a real Saturn V rocket and real moon rock that you can touch, um, a show that reenacts the launch of the rocket, the room shakes. It's really spectacular. So that's number one. Uh, the Space Shuttle Atlantis, if you do nothing else here, you need to do that. And as I said, that's fully open right now. So with the Shuttle Launch Experience Simulator, seeing the real Atlantis orbiter that was in space 33 times, and you're close enough to almost touch it. They don't quite let us touch it, but it's right there. Um, and that's got a lot of interactives in that building. And then another favorite of mine is the Heroes and Legends display, which starts with a 3D presentation of what it was like to be in the early space program. Projects Mercury and Gemini and uh, early Apollo missions. And there's a museum in there as well with all kinds of artifacts from the astronauts 
including the American Astronaut Hall of Fame. So there's a, a lot going on those three exhibits alone. There's some great recommendations there, and I definitely get out to experience the history of the previous astronauts that have gone out. With regards to launches and obviously honoring those that have gone out and future astronauts, if people are looking to plan visits and they want to see a rocket launch, uh, obviously subject to, to weather, they can change. But how would they be able to see when there might be a launch date or keep up to date so they, they can see if something might have changed They may be able to go and see it when they're, when they're visiting? A lot of people like to follow on a website called Space Flight Now. Sometimes that's up to date. Sometimes it's not. As soon as NASA makes a launch date official, it comes up on our website. So if they're checking with Kennedy Space spacecenter.com every day or so. If there's an upcoming launch, they're going to find out about it there. If the launch is during hours that are at least close to when we're normally opening, then we usually have a special launch viewing ticket where you can come in and do some special activities and have a communicator with you. Uh, one of the ones that we've started doing for our night launch is brand new. We just tried it and it was very successful is our drive-in launch and the movie to where we actually show a drive-in movie in the parking lot and you get to watch the launch from there, which is prime launch viewing territory. So a lot of different ways that you can watch the launch with us, again, depending on when the launch is actually going up. But we do always warn people, it is rocket science. It is Florida. The weather is one of the things that could delay a launch. So you can't guarantee they're going to get to see the rocket go up. But when you do, it's like nowhere else on Earth because you're not just seeing it. You're fully experiencing the launch here. I love the fact you've got a night viewing with with the movies in the car park. That it. That's just amazing. Uh, that's definitely something that should be on people's list to do if, if it's available. And um, before before we end, just to recap, all of what we've spoken about, if they go to the Kennedy Space Center uh, Visitor Complex website, they'll be able to get all of that information. Is that correct? Absolutely. And, you know, we've spoken before and a lot of the things I just told you about didn't exist even two months ago. So we're constantly looking for new ways to engage the public with what's going on. And I think we've been doing a pretty good job of coming up with some exciting experiences. But yes, they're all on our website. So just keep checking it because it changes regularly. Especially for those young budding astronauts, do check out the virtual education programs because they look amazing and you can do them from any anywhere in the world. And um, I do actually have a couple of questions from some budding astronauts, uh, actually the travel podcast team's children's niece and nephew. Um, so I'm going to ask the questions. So my nephew would like to ask, when visiting, could he meet an astronaut? Right now, again, because of the COVID restrictions and the health and safety, right now we do not have astronauts on site, but we normally do. The astronaut of the day gives several presentations. We have another program that is a lunch with the astronaut. So you can you know, hear the presentation while you're enjoying great food. Um, but we are working on a program now to get some virtual astronaut encounters so that in our astronaut encounter theater, we could have you know, a, an astronaut doing what we're doing right now and speaking virtually and answering those questions. So we're hoping to get to that very soon. Amazing. And uh, Lauren's niece would like to ask, how would she become an astronaut? 
So Lauren's niece is doing exactly what she needs to do to become an astronaut, because the sooner you decide that's what you want to do, the sooner you can start your training. Astronaut training begins at the earliest age possible by getting a good education. NASA is looking for people with education in one of the STEM fields. So any science, technology, engineering, or math, find something that you love to do, get as good at it as you possibly can, get some work experience doing that, and keep your body in good, healthy condition. And then you just keep applying and applying and applying and handle rejection well, because they only pick a few people at a time, but it's well worth it. Uh, follow your dream. And even if you don't get to be an astronaut, at least you've gotten really good at something that you really like doing. And you can have a job the rest of your life where you're thrilled to go into work every day. And that is a great point. You know, you've got to love what you are doing. And Jules's daughter would like to ask, what do you eat in space? Well, you eat pretty much anything that you would like to eat as long as it doesn't require refrigeration or major cooking. So a lot of the meals that we send up, the astronauts will go and taste them ahead of time to make up their menu. And many of them are dehydrated meals that you would just add water. We also have the military meals ready to eat that you just heat up and there they go. And you can also bring a lot of foods into space that are things you would normally eat on Earth that don't require any refrigeration. So little cans and pouches and you know bottles of things. Um, the one thing that we do not serve in space is bread because the bread will go stale and make lots of crumbs and they clog up the filters. So we discovered a number of years back, thanks to Mexican astronaut Rodolfo, um, Mr. Um, Neri Vela, sorry, Mike, I'm hesitating there on the names, Rodolfo Neri Vela, um, he brought up tortillas. And so tortillas are the bread of choice on the International Space Station. You can make just about anything with a tortilla. When asked what's your favorite food, I would say at least 80% of the astronauts reply shrimp cocktail because it's nice and spicy. And so spicy foods are very popular because your taste is dulled a little bit when you're in space. That's a very interesting fact. Thank you very much for that. And um, I just want to say a big thank you, Dee, for joining us and sharing why families must visit the Kelly Space Center, visit the complex when they are in Florida. It's such a brilliant place from an education, experiential and immersive destination to inspire the youngsters and the adults uh, into what is out there. So I just want to say a massive thank you for, for joining me. Well, it's been my pleasure at any time. So continuing down the East Coast for a completely different experience, we come to Fort Lauderdale. Have you been to Fort Lauderdale, Matthew? I've driven through it. I haven't, haven't uh, unfortunately, I haven't stayed there, but um, I've stayed just north of Fort Lauderdale and I have um, also gone down into Miami, which is just a bit further further south. There are a lot of people in there, uh, a lot of people will potentially either stay in Fort Lauderdale, go and experience Miami, or they may be in Miami and they'll go up to Fort Lauderdale. There's actually a train now which you can jump on, which makes it so if people are, Families may not want to drive, but they want that beach experience and may not want to be in the cosmopolitan area of Miami. You know, they can stay in Fort Lauderdale, which also has a, an airport you can fly into, um, has some amazing beaches, and then jump on the train to go down for a day out in Miami. And it, the, the train is actually getting built. Uh, it's, it's not finished yet, but it will eventually end up um, going all the way to Orlando. So again, it means that the people who may not want to drive around, but want to potentially visit the parks and then go to Miami or 
Palm Beach, West Palm Beach or Palm Beach um, and down to Fort Lauderdale for some cruises. It gives a, a great opportunity for, for families. And that's one of the things that Fort Lauderdale is quite well known for as well is, uh, is um, it's home to a lot of cruise lines go out of, um, out of Fort Lauderdale. So a lot of families who like to cruise, it's a, it's a place that, again, is great for you to uh, to stay over. And I know you found some great little family adventures to do when people are in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, definitely. So the main thing that caught my eye are those traditional steamboats. I do think that they're absolutely amazing. And I found that they've been going for actually more than 80 years. So really great. And the cruise that I was thinking is the Jungle Queen River Cruise, uh, River Boat Cruise, sorry. It looks absolutely fantastic. Great for all the kids. And like you said, maybe you don't want to drive. Maybe you don't want to get a train. Maybe you want to cruise down the river and see the sights. Um, but that looks like incredible um, attraction and the main one I guess for me and I know my kids would be very excited about this would be to see the gators uh, in the Everglades now have you seen the gators I have seen a few gators uh, on my visits to Florida yet they the they don't really bother it's gonna sound it's a bit like they're a bit like I suppose sharks people are probably more fearful of them than they should be you know they generally will keep away from humans but you, there's lots of great places like the Everglades to go and find them or um, around the state, which I know we'll talk about some other areas as well where you can see some gators. Yeah, no, that does sound like a good one, especially if the kids maybe winding you up a little bit. Stick them on a boat, go and see the gators. That would be a nice little dangle those. No, I'm joking. Obviously, I would not recommend dangling your children. However, uh, that does look like a fantastic experience seeing their mouths open and, they, and some of the tour guides are getting really up close and personal. looks very uh, interesting. And like you said, there's some amazing beaches there as well. Um, so, yeah, so take a day trip on, do a little bit of a river cruise and you could also go and search for the gators and then finish off uh, back at the beach. So, las olas in uh, Fort Lauderdale that looks particularly like a stunning beach. And also the Fort Lauderdale Beach Park. Um, thought that would be great because um, often miss out on that, uh, any beaches in the UK. It'd be nice to have, you know, a big centre where the kids can go as well so mum and dad could maybe relax on the beach themselves. So lots and lots on offer in Fort Lauderdale. Now you, I know you've spent some time in Miami, haven't you, Matthew? What can you tell us about Miami going a bit further south? I think uh, one of the, the, the good things, especially for families, is that you do have the beach run, but you have to stay on South Beach. A lot of people think, oh, it's going to be very party central. There's not. There's other areas. There's a lot of development going on to, to be able to stay off the beach or in different or northern parts of the beach. But I would say the Little Havana and the Cuban restaurants and the vibe that you have is one of the best. It would be a great experience for families to, to find that in in Miami and really get to explore it um uh, is is one of the one one very good recommendation and also Biscayne National Park um which again like you mentioned with the Everglades which is also you can get to from Miami is is not far at all um is there's so much to do on the water so from from a family point of view it's just it's a, a great destination it has the city city style which you want you can have a little if you know some parent if parents would like to go maybe go out for a nice meal in the evening and have a babysitter or someone and looking after their children uh they can go and have a nice 
uh, nice dinner out. Or there's also some sports teams. So again, you've got David Beckham's uh, football team or soccer. If you're listening from other places in in the in the world, uh, is is there now? And also the American football, basketball, and baseball. So for those sports lovers, or even just as a family activity, something that's quite cool to go and do. Yeah, that all sounds fun. I know you're into your sports and things. When I was researching, I saw a really cool. Um, it's called the Miami Children's Museum, and this looks like a really cool museum. Really hands-on for the kids. Advertised for kids from you know very little to teenagers. Um, but they can actually operate on a stuffed animal, uh, play dentists and, and explore cruise ships. So I thought that would be quite fun for them. Um, it has very good reviews as well on TripAdvisor. So that must be a great place to go and take the kids, burn out a bit of energy in the daytime. And then, like you said, maybe go into the national park for a bit of uh, chilling in the afternoon. Have you been to Coconut Grove? I haven't. But it, I know it. I know some friends who have been, and they've said they, they've they've loved it. Uh, I would also mention, though, from Miami again. You know, you've obviously got you can jump up towards Fort Lauderdale or go to Palm uh, West Palm Beach or uh, go on a cruise. But also south, if you go south and you go onto the Keys, I've been to the Florida Keys, and it is unbelievable. And again, uh, you don't have to go all the way down to Key West because it is quite a long journey. But there's you know you don't have to go that far out, maybe an hour or two to to get onto one of the Keys with some some properties uh and again it's just amazing for, for families as well i think just to get out because you there's so much water activity to do there the you get it's, it's just yeah it's just different it's like you're on well, obviously you're on islands but you get an island lifestyle where you think you're not actually that far away from normal nor, uh, a normal city or destination so it's, it's a completely different vibe to maybe where you get in other areas of, of florida so i'd highly recommend if you are down in the miami area do get at, get down to the florida keys um for a few days of exploring and getting out to uh to explore the the water from there i went uh, lobstering and you got a tickle stick uh which was <laughs> which is quite Quite, that was a very unique experience, but you know they they have great things. You go out fishing, or you can go out snorkeling, scuba diving, and get some great experiences down there with families. Is that how you're catching lobsters? You're tickling them, and then they just uh, surrender. Uh, these these lobsters, yeah, they don't have the they don't have the big claws. They it's the it's the ones with the tails that you eat to eat the tail rather than the claws. Um, so you you tickle it in the nose, and the tail flaps and shoots back into your net. Uh, obviously, you, you'd you'd only we didn't catch any because they're all um, we saw them, but they're all too small. So you, you wouldn't take any any lobsters that are not the correct size to make sure that they the future population of lobsters are, are safe and secure. So it is very you know eco friendly as well down there. So you just made them have a little laugh for the afternoon. You didn't catch any, just cheering them up. Pretty much. I just went snorkeling, you know, tickled some lobsters and and then went and chilled by the pool. How do you get from the different islands in Florida Keys? They're the bridges. Oh, <laughs> no swimming required. Fantastic. No swimming required, no, no ferries. It's all a bridge. Oh, well, that's handy. And how long would it take you to get from sort of the first one to the last one? Quite a while, I guess. You know, if you're staying in Miami, it's a, it's a, about a three and a half hour drive uh, down. They do have flights if you wanted to fly and not do the drive, which are about 50 minutes. Uh, but again, driving, it, you, you get down to some amazing islands like Marathon or Key Largo. Again, you can stay on Key Largo, which is maybe possibly like a, an hour, 45 minutes to an hour away from uh, from Miami. So again, it's, it's one of those where... Um, 
just get 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 the experience you, you may don't have to go all the way down to key west but if you if you do have time definitely recommend it and the drive will just be stunning oh, that sounds incredible definitely a good place for the kids get all their energy out with all those water sports so when we've got there we're coming up now the west coast of florida and you come to fort myers and i know you are big on your baseball is this this is your favorite team isn't it matthew or have i got this wrong uh, that so me and the american sports i don't really have a favorite team i follow a few you know uh so but yeah the boston red Sox are one i i, I stayed up in boston for a while so one of the families i um stayed with were big Red Sox fans and got me into the batting cages and, and so I got into it a lot yeah so there are spring trainings down there is what you're going to lead on to isn't it well, that was what I was going to mention yeah. yeah in March you can you can see their spring training but as a non-baseball fan I don't actually have a clue what spring training means it's like pre-season for football you know oh, where all, so if, you, if you're living, living in, in in the UK or, or listening in Europe where someone like United or Liverpool or Arsenal or, or any professional team goes off and, and plays and gets ready for the season oh, okay so you maybe they're playing some friendlies sort of they play some friendlies but it's also a lot warmer than uh, Boston so they'll go down and they can start training earlier but it happens quite a lot in uh, across the states Nice. But still, that's something. Can can the kids get involved? Can they get in the cages and have a little go with the... Uh, there's batting, there'll be batting cages all over uh, near baseball fields. Um, there'll be lots of recreational fields around in, in different areas in, in Florida. That Outdoor sports is huge. So, you know, if you just ask wherever you're staying, if there's a local batting cage, they'll just direct you. Yeah, and what you do is you just go rock up, uh, give some, pay some dollars. It's about like going to a, a golf driving range. But you get given your helmet, a baseball bat, and then you go in, and then you have different um, different tiers of of speed. So you start off like obviously if you start on slow, and then you can go all the way up to to fast pitch and cur- um, curve balls and things like that. So you can you can change it up, and then obviously like you would golf, if you're getting you could get some like fifty balls, a hundred balls, you'd be the same in the batting cage. So you could take it in turns. So as a family, it's again a great experience to to get in there. And if you especially if you've gone and watched the the spring training um then you can go out and, and get out in the batting cages give it a go bit different to cricket if you're listening from any of uh, england caribbean uh, australia south africa new zealand <laughs> you'll you do well though you'll do well get your eye in same sort of technique required is that what you say hand-eye coordination yeah right got you yeah. cool well another thing that i've seen is salty sam's pirate cruise now this looks absolutely incredible because aye, aye. i see uh, r I have secretly wanted to be a pirate for a long time. And this does look like an ultimate family-friendly day out. So it's 90 minutes and the crew set sail around the Fort Myers um, Harbour three times a day. And the pirate, there's pirates on board and they truly try to include you and the kids in all the games. You have like a captain mutiny, dancing and general rebel rousing. Um, it looks so cool. And you, they can the kids can earn coins for their participation from the crew and they get uh, some fake tattoos on so they look tough um, but it does look like real fun for the kids that they could go and enjoy that and uh, really experience like you said some more some more water sort of sport activities but uh, taking on your imagination there for that and there's another fantastic um, thing to do in Fort Myers which is the Manatee Park 
But this looks absolutely incredible. I've not personally seen manatees in the wild. Have you, Matthew? I unfortunately didn't get an opportunity, but I have been. So it's a bit further up the coast. Um, and I know we're heading, heading up a bit further. It's in um, Discovery uh, Discover Crystal River. So in Hamasa, they have a, a, a big manatee um nature reserve in a way to ecosystem so again it's very eco-friendly you can go and swim the manatee well you, you don't go into you go into the river and swim and the manatees actually come up to you um, you obviously avoid the but that is an amazing amazing experience where you can go kayaking and again you can see them obviously during certain times of the year you're more likely to see them in the rivers but um that's definitely definitely a place that i would recommend also going to is uh discover crystal crystal river um and you get up to go and see the manatees out there and um we we actually mentioned it in one of the other um florida special episodes of where we focus on the state and national parks so there's a we talked to um, one of the captains who does eco tour guiding out in that area so yeah Oh, another one to go back and listen to. Good idea, Matthew. But yeah, are they just the cutest little creatures, manatees? I think they're very, they're very sort of spiritual. They're used very um, much in those sort of ways. So I think you could get a lot of hussar vibes from being with the manatees. Definitely. Anyway. So moving up the west coast even further, we're coming to Sarasota. I've seen an absolutely fantastic thing here, which is the Mayaka Canopy Walkway. Have you seen this? It looks fabulous. I have seen it. Um, and this is a destination that I've been to quite often. Um, not not the Canopy Walkway, but Sarasota and Siesta Key. And I, I love it. I absolutely, it's, it's an amazing, amazing place. What's so good about it? Siesta Key, I, I just love. It's one of my favorite beaches in the world. Uh, it's, you get, you get, it's, there's two bridges to Siesta Key um, to get in, and then it's that perfect white sand that doesn't really get hot, um, and then the water is just crystal clear. You've got beach volleyball on there. You've got um, a cool little quaint um, village where for, for restaurants and enjoying, enjoying Thai. Yeah, so it's just, I suppose, it for families who are looking to get away and just enjoy the beach is one of what well, obviously highly recommend and then sarasota which is just um you know maybe like a 15 minute drive to the center of sarasota from siesta key beach is again has a lot more activities to do or you've got you know like you mentioned the um mayaka canopy walkway and robinson's nature reserve which is a little bit further further out but again is a great opportunity to to go and explore and i know that's something you you were uh, you enjoyed uh finding out on your research yeah this canopy walk looks incredible and so it's like it's suspended to 25 feet above the ground and it extends 100 feet through the camp hammock canopy and they're saying on here you you can look down on eagles hawks and vultures which like to me that's incredible we don't get like massive birds of prey like that in England not just sort of hanging around anyway maybe in some of the zoos and things but that sort of bird life sounds incredible and then to be sort of amongst them as such is um instead of in a sort of a little hut with your binoculars that sounds like a really great um experience I've only seen Siesta Key on the uh, new television program 
but it does look very cool um, without the drama. Um, but yeah, I would definitely like to to check that out. A lot of like boutique shops and restaurants. Did you find that, Matthew? Yeah, yeah, it is definitely. It's um, yeah, very cool little village. Yeah, nice. Definitely one to visit all together and uh, get your little souvenirs maybe there as well, something more uh, boutique-y. So then we come up again, up further, the West Coast. We are now in Clearwater. Now, I've sent a lot of customers to Clearwater and one particular hotel that I wanted to mention was the Wyndham Grant because they have this really amazing reconnect experience and I think this is perfect for families and it's basically so you go into your room in this one room I saw it had bunk beds which I know my kids would like even though they've got their own bunk beds there's something about having bunk beds in a hotel room that's more magical um, but yeah, they have bunk beds and they give you this little pack, like a reconnect pack. And inside it's got um, like fort building equipment, uh, an instant camera, instructions on how to make shadow puppets. And it's also got like a locked box that you're supposed to put your electronics into. So that's it's basically all about disconnecting and disconnecting from your electronics and reconnecting with your family. And um, I've, heard, I've read a lot of good reviews how people have said that's really helped you know with their mental health and reconnect with their families and definitely like if people have been experiencing hard times this year with COVID maybe you've had to work more or maybe you've lost your job but either way just get in, in touch with your family again it's super important and this hotel seems to offer a fantastic product for that. Now there's also amazing beaches in Clearwater. Have you did you experience any of the festivals there Matthew? I was there for July 4th, uh, oh. one year. Yeah. 4th of uh, July? Was, yes. Yeah, yeah. We had a, a couple of nights there um, with some friends. It was on the weekend. Yeah. So that was, that was really good. Um, the, again, it's, it's a, it's a bit livelier. Um, Clearwater is a, is amazing uh, destination, and again, it features in our beach epi- uh, special episodes. Uh, but it, and in that, they go into more detail about everything you. But for uh, for families as well there's, there's so much to do from attraction point of view as well and bush gardens i know uh, like clearwater and tampa and we're going to mention clearwater uh, tampa in a moment but again they're they're next door to each other so it's it's nice and easy to get around and there's so much so much to do uh, as a resort compared to like where siesta key is more about the beach and relaxing and they do have certain attractions whereas clearwater is a bit more lively for families with uh, restaurants um and obviously the clearwater um clearwater sunset festival the clear sunset festival and also the uh, aquarium uh, the clearwater marine aquarium uh which is one of the main attractions but yeah, the, they have so much going on all year round. And um, again, for those uh, parents that like um, craft um, breweries and great food, it's a great destination because you can take the family out, enjoy a nice uh, craft beer and some great family food in, in the local restaurants. That sounds great. Yeah, a bit more of a lively scene there. So a lot of live music I saw as well. That looks absolutely fantastic. So Matthew actually interviewed Bill Potts, who is the Chief Marketing and Revenue Officer at Aquarium Clearwater Marine Aquarium, which is one of the main attractions in Clearwater. Let's listen to how he explains about the aquarium and how it is such an amazing attraction for this area. 
I'm joined by Bill Potts, Chief Marketing and Revenue Officer, also known as Hope's BFF, from Clearwater Marine Aquarium, Florida. So just to start with, Bill, if you can just give us a quick introduction to yourself, what you do and how long you've been living in the Clearwater area and where it is located in Florida. Sure. Uh, Matthew, first of all, it's great to be on your show. Uh, Clearwater Marine Aquarium is located on the Gulf Coast, and uh, we call it South Florida. It's more Central Florida. We are about 90, 90 minutes by drive uh, west of Orlando. So if you know Disney World, you know how uh, close we are to uh, here. We're also sitting on the number one beach in the U.S., Clearwater Beach, according to TripAdvisor in 2018-2019. I am, yes, the chief marketing and revenue officer. The goal is to uh, drive people in the door. We are a nonprofit focused on the rescue, rehab, and release of marine life. So we count on gate revenue, people coming in the door to fund our mission. And so that's my job. And you indicated I'm Hope's BFF. And I am. Uh, just don't tell Winter. She might get jealous. But Hope and I play hide and seek in the mornings before we open. It's pretty special. Uh, I think that's uh, one of the, the key things. I think some people may know about the Clearwater Marine Aquarium and not know about it. And we've touched on it just there, the fact that you are Hope's BFF and you make sure no, win, no one tells Winter. Uh, so can you just give the listeners uh, just a bit more insight into why they may actually know you if they've seen some um, some movies? Yes, you know, uh, Winter came here on December 10th, 2005, rescued by Cape Canaveral on the other coast, on the Atlantic coast of Florida. And uh, she was brought to Clearwater Marine Aquarium that day um, um, because we're one of the few places that would take her. You know, we are our rescue facility. We're not a typical aquarium. And against all odds, you know, Winter survived. And uh, her tail fell off because it had been wrapped in a crab trap. And this little baby dolphin, we think was about three months old, defied all the odds and lived. And so she started becoming famous as this little dolphin that lost a tail, that learned how to swim without a tail. And through that, uh, through a broadcast on radio, a hangar clinic reached out to us and said, hey, we would like to put a prosthetic tail on this dolphin. So she started becoming famous again. So many folks in the UK would have heard of Winter before the movies even came out because she was a global phenom as this dolphin that was swimming with a prosthetic tail. But on December 11th, 2010, five years and one day after Winter came to Clearwater Marine Aquarium, we finished filming Dolphin Tail, which is remarkable, right? So it had three different script versions. It got funded. It got filmed. The last shot was filmed about uh, 30 yards from where I'm sitting right now, five years and one day after winter came. And we have what's called a wrap party, Matthew. So you know, the actors all go to the restaurant that's near us and you have a party to celebrate filming the last piece. At 10 after five uh, that evening, five, 10 minutes after we, we did the last filming, we received a phone call from the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission and lo and behold, at 11.20 that night, uh, Hope uh, showed up. Uh, while the actors and the camera folks were here, they left the restaurant and came over and she became the basis for Dolphin Tale 2, which is the only real life sequel in Hollywood history. So it's a story that you can't make up. It's a story that just happened. That's amazing. And if you haven't seen the movies, definitely do check them out. They're very heartwarming. And um, for those that are looking to visit Clearwater and obviously come and see yourself at the Clearwater Marine Aquarium, um, just so you can share a few things of why it is great for all the families. I know you do a lot with regards to hands-on learning and teaching 
teach how um, lessons about how humans can impact on the environment and how people can help preserve the natural habitat. Can you just give us a bit more of a background on that? That's a great question. And uh, first of all, we are not your typical aquarium. We are a, a rescue facility focused on the rescue, rehabilitation, release of marine life. So the, the animals that we have here are here because they can't go back out into the wild. And so what you do get here is you get education. Uh, we're high touch with our guests. You get uh, conservation messaging. So this is a place where you want to bring your family if you want them to learn, if you want them to appreciate, and you want them to walk away with a renewed interest in why it's so important to protect the environment. So yes, we have a lot of dolphins here, all that can't be released into the wild. We have a lot of turtles here that can't be released in the wild. Uh, sharks, stingrays, pelicans, uh, otters, but every, each one of these has a story of conservation that we share with our guests. So we do say, you know, they kind of come in on the movies and they walk out with our message of conservation, which is so important to us. I think that's clear as how important it is to you. And also you mentioned earlier about the fact you're a nonprofit organization. So all of the money that comes in through the gate is going back to helping conserve uh, those animals and, and make sure that the education still goes on. So I think that's a massive, massive thing and, and makes you very different to um, other other aquariums out there. I, I know you also do like a hop on educational boat tour where people can learn all about the marine life around Clearwater Bay from your marine biologists. Um, and you may even see wild dolphins swimming around there. So what's that experience like? Uh, generally, we do uh, see wild dolphins out there. Uh, this is part of our research team. So this isn't a boat ride to go see dolphins. This is a boat ride that's staffed by marine biologists. And again, the idea is to teach our guests about the local uh, wildlife and to show them the local wildlife and to uh, give them appreciation for why we should protect that wildlife. Yes, you will be on there for an hour to an hour and a half, depending on the time of year that you're on that boat. And you will likely see uh, wild dolphins. They saw some manatees last week. You're always going to see some great, uh, great birds. Uh, they see some turtles occasionally. But what the guests really get out of that, in addition to seeing that wildlife, is learning about the wildlife that's in, in this local market. That's another great thing of going on something like that with a marine biologist. Because again, it's, it's understanding how people can impact. And I know it's a massive thing around the world right now is how can we all change our habits to make sure we preserve the, the, the water and the animals that live within that and also on land. And going into the marine conservation is obviously at the forefront of everything you do, along with being an eco-friendly um, aquarium. How have you been able to achieve this? That's a great question. So, I mean, thanks to the movies, we've been able to drive a lot of attendants uh, in here to see winter and to see our other animals. So uh, a shout out to Alcon and Warner Brothers who helped make that happen. But uh, yes, uh, so that's given us the resources that we need to uh, push those conservation efforts. I'll give you a couple examples. You know, we patrol, uh, we patrol many, many, many miles of beaches uh, that, are, that uh, are here at Clearwater Beach and all the way down uh, past Clearwater Beach. Uh, to protect the sea turtles. Uh, there are seven uh, species of sea turtles in the world. We have five of those seven species uh, in this local market. So what we do is we protect the nests. And so we have a team that's up and down uh, trying to protect those nests and make sure that the eggs get hatched and those turtles get back out into the water because only one out of a thousand turtles 
uh, gets to reproductive age. We started this work about 20 or 25 years ago, and we're starting to see the benefits of some of the work that we did way back then, because uh, we're seeing some pretty nice things happening on the nesting side uh, near us. But it's not just this local market. We're doing work in Belize with manatees. We're doing work in the Atlantic with uh, right whales. We're doing, doing work in, in Georgia and South Carolina uh, with manatees. So our work, we're doing work in Cuba. So uh, through the dolphin tail movies and through the attendance we've been able to get here, we've been able to expand our work really around the world. It's amazing that from the, from the movies, from the impact that the listeners going out and watching the movies has been able to help you scale out past just your local coastline up and down, but also to other countries to help um, bring that awareness and conservation around the world. I think one of the things we're visiting is a, a, very, is a great feel-good factor because all the funds that support your mission is to rescue, re- rehabilitate and release for those marine life. Um, and how have you been able to do the eco-friendly side of things? So I know that's a big thing at the moment. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you know, we just opened a hotel called the Winters of the Dolphin Beach Club Hotel. Uh, that's uh, you know s- uh, less than uh, less than a kilometer from where I sit, and uh, we made sure that it was Clearwater Marine Aquarium certified. That means it touched every single element of eco-friendly that we could. Of course, at CMA, you'd expect us here to be that way. And now what we're trying to do is communicate that with all the hotels that sit on the beaches. And we decided to do that by proving it with our own hotel, uh, one of the Dolphins Beach Club, and make sure that uh, they lead by example. So all the other hotels can see that eco-friendly best practices that Clearwater Marine Aquarium lays out for them uh, is good business as well. And when they see that happening, we expect the uh, impact to be much more dramatic than doing it at one hotel. I mean, everything you're doing is all about the greater good. I think it's amazing uh, listening to everything that you do and really, again, going at the forefront of eco-friendly and showing other hotels how to do it and touching on that. I mean, obviously, the uh, CMA is an amazing place for families. And how would you say Clearwater is for a location for families? So I know you've been based there for quite some time. We are talking before um, starting starting the interview. So what would you say really makes Clearwater a great area for families? Well, uh, obviously, uh, it's it's beautiful. Uh, it's sugar sand beaches, uh, big, wide open beaches. These are beaches that are really spread out. Uh, you got beautiful Caribbean blue type uh, water. Uh, plenty of activities for the kids to do. Uh, you know, it's 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 well developed, but it's not overdeveloped. And of course, uh, marine life everywhere. So uh, most of the folks that are coming to this market, families with kids, are of course coming to see us. But then when they leave the aquarium, uh, they can go and experience some of the greatness of our marine life uh, firsthand uh, at the beach. Uh, so even if people are staying away, they can make sure definitely to get out and visit you, but hopefully would even stay. You know, and I think a lot of people, especially from my side of the ponds, would mainly go to Orlando. But I think this is just highlighting how how much more there is to Florida just in the parks. And why not go and stay for a week in Clearwater as well? Yeah, um, yeah it's 90 minutes uh, from uh, Orlando to, to here. And we do find we get a big uh, percentage of our business, to your point, Matthew, that are folks that are spending a day at Disney World or two and then uh, coming to see us here. And I can tell you firsthand from talking to so many of these families with kids, uh, time and time and time again, we hear the favorite part of their trip was us. I'm not surprised at all. And and on that, I mean, how can people listening, so our listeners, how can they book a stay at your hotel? And also, do they have to book in advance to um, for admission into the CMA, or can they turn up on the day? Uh, uh, so for the hotel, wintersbeachclub.com. 
and uh, we'll give you that link so you can uh, uh, post it on your on your podcast. But that's how you book. Yes, you should book it in advance because you can imagine a marine life themed hospital with one of the dolphin is going to be pretty popular. So you want to do that in advance. Note, too, that when you stay at that hotel, proceeds from each day come to us to help our conservation efforts. It's so unique that even the uh, jetties that are out on the beach are shaped like dolphin tails. So that's pretty neat. But to come to Clearwater Marine Aquarium, uh, you do not need reservations. Uh, most of our uh, folks just come. I would encourage you to plan in advance if you want to do the boat rides or some of the other special activities that we have here, because those do do tend to uh, sell out uh, uh, during busy times of year. But uh, we make it nice and easy for you to get here. There's shuttle service back and forth from uh, the beach to us, so you don't even have to have a car. That's perfect. And how long would you recommend a family visits Clearwater Marine Aquarium? Yeah, I, I would encourage all folks to spend plan to spend uh, at least a couple hours inside uh, the aquarium. And then I'd encourage everybody to get on the boat, which will be an hour, hour and a half. So you're looking at three to four hours. Of course, you'd like everybody to stay and spend money in the gift shop and uh, have uh, have lunch at our at our at our restaurant or our cafe. So I'd say three to four hours would be good. Half a day. You can do it at the beginning of the day, then go to the beach or do it at the end of the day and, and come see us uh, in the afternoon after you've got a good sunburn. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if they're coming from uh, England, they'll be pretty a bit sunburned. There's no doubt. We see it every day. Yeah, make sure you wear sunscreen. Um, yeah. And so before before we end, I mean, what would be your three recommendations when visiting Clearwater? Yeah, 100%. Obviously, number one, come to Clearwater Marine Aquarium. We want to see you. Uh, we need to see you. We appreciate the, 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 the money you bring in helps us fund our efforts. So that's critical. Uh, number two, uh, stay at Wonders Beach Club, uh, one of the Dolphins Beach Club Hotel or another hotel on the beach. It's a fantastic experience. And number three, whether you do it with us or somebody else, else, uh, get out on the water uh, on a boat. Uh, of course, prefer it to be us, but if it's full, there's other opportunities to get out on the water because there's nothing like this water and the beauty that you see around here. I can testify for that. I've been to Clearwater Beach a couple of times myself and it is absolutely stunning. Um, so I just want to say a massive thank you, Bill, for joining me today and giving us all a massive insight into what you and Clearwater Marine Aquarium do, not just for the aquarium, but around the world in conservation and helping support uh, sea life. So thank you very much. Matthew, it's uh, my pleasure and we look forward to seeing uh, some of your audience come see you soon perfect thank you okay you bet now it's fantastic to hear how um, the sustainability and the rehabilitation work that they're doing there is really impacting the whole community. Fantastic. And I must say, I haven't actually watched Dolphin Tales 1 or 2, so that definitely needs to go on my watch list. I'm sure if you go with the children, Bill will introduce you to Hope. Yes, Hope, hope and Winter. So, yeah, moving um, down to us, finally, the last sort of area that we were going to discuss today is Tampa. Now, Bush Gardens is the main sort of um, attraction there in terms of um, theme parks. Um, have, I've been a couple of times actually to Bush Gardens. I would say it when I went, so I went about five, six years ago, it was probably like the more grown-up version of Disney. So it wasn't really for you younger ones, so like under seven, so there's a lot 
bigger roller coasters and more immersive experiences. What did you think of Bush Gardens, Matthew? Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed going for the roller coasters. That's why I went to Bush Gardens. But it's still great for families to, to get there. Yeah, 100%. Something I would recommend for the younger ones, though, would be Stu Tampa. Um, this is an incredible zoo. It uh, houses over 1,300 species. You can actually feed the giraffes, which I think is amazing. And you get to interact with giant tortoises which be incredible. Obviously, that's not going to be a fast-paced activity, um, but still different all, all the same. And there's also a really lovely regional park called Lettuce Lake, which I thought was a lovely name. Um, but they've got wooded areas, adventure playground, a whole cycle path, and kayaking, super popular there as well. Did you see the um, streetcar system when you were there? I didn't, but um, I know that it's a great way to to get around. We we I was um, I had a car, so I, I drove most <laughs> most places. But um, I know it, it sort of helps me a great way to hop between places like uh, Ybor, uh, Ybor City and downtown Tampa and, and other areas. So definitely, again, for those who potentially may not want to drive, it's a great way to be able to stay and, and get around the area. Yeah, and again, like another fun form of transport to go and experience. I think it's got a lot of history as well there when you go there. It's quite, um, there's areas that you can learn more about it. So I think that's really cool. And I would just do, like to do a little, I know this is our main, main stop that we're going to stop on, but I do want to give a couple of shout-outs for other areas that people may not know about around Florida for families, especially um, St. Augustine, which is the oldest um, settlement that has been continuously lived in or, or town uh, in in America, uh, which is on the Atlantic coast. So it's north of um, uh, it's, it's north of the Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral, and it has a, a great pirate museum. So, Jules, you'll love it there. And also has a lot of um, history around it, obviously being one of the oldest uh, settlements, well, the oldest settlements that's been continuously lived in. So it's a great place to get get out and, and out and explore and the food there is is amazing um daytona beach for those who love their race cars again it's daytona 500 so and they and they also have uh, you can actually drive onto the beach so it's one of the uh, that's how big their their beach is and, and their pier is amazing so they've just done a massive redevelopment of the pier area so again an amazing opportunity for families to go and stay there especially if you want to um get you know, it's not far from Kennedy Space Center, so you can use that as a base, go and explore Kennedy Space Center, and then also go up to St. Augustine and then back down. So that's probably a really good base a little bit further up on the Atlantic coast. And then the hidden gem, I'd like to say, would be the Panhandle, uh, which is Pensacola, Destin area, which is uh, you'd probably, if you're going to go and explore that, you can drive up there. It's about an eight-hour drive from Orlando if you're twinning it with a park stay. Uh, and it, it, you get a completely different vibe again, uh, a bit like if it's very southern it's right on the borders with alabama and georgia um so you can actually fly in so it's a four it's about a four and a half hour drive from new orleans so if you wanted to do new orleans and then drive over to the panhandle and then back so it's another great opportunity but up there again it's it's a it's a great different different vibe and it's uh, more there's a lot of domestic travel goes there so it's, you get a completely different scene compared to if you go to certain places in uh, other areas of florida there's a lot of international travel so if you really want to get out and experience a different culture and also the south uh, i'd highly recommend that and again their beaches up there are stunning and they have some great great attractions and food so just a little couple of shout outs of maybe some unique areas to explore and also especially after 2020 
the year that we've had, people may want to get away to to be in a lot of open spaces and there's a lot of beach beach up there and yeah i really enjoyed my time up in the panhandle great recommendations there matthew fantastic so we really have learned that uh florida is much more than just a disney park destination there are lots and lots of other activities and attractions for you and your family to enjoy and it's been really great learning about all those today and so if you do like what you hear for more information and links to what we've talked about in today's episode head to the travelpodcast.com where all links will be featured on this episode's page and also don't forget to give us a five-star review on itunes or whatever streaming site you use thank you matthew no problem and make sure you subscribe for free 